everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 14, Google Apps, part 2, for the week of September 30th, 2010. This will be the second in our four-part look at Google Apps for Education, and in this episode we'll discuss the initial setup of Google Apps, as well as strategies for integrated into your existing infrastructure. This was the podcast that almost didn't happen, because uh, my co-host today, Sean, is not with me, and I'll let him explain exactly where he is and why. <laughs> yes, well, uh, let's see, I just uh, I just had a baby boy yesterday. Uh, Christian James Cabell uh, was born uh, yesterday, 47, uh, so that had me uh, rushing from work to get there and uh, in time for... Uh, for the baby, this was a C-section, and literally, I walked in there, and they uh, they got me uh, into scrubs and everything. I mean, I, I cut it pretty close, actually. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that that was uh, the excitement of yesterday, and uh, today uh, I'm actually recording this while I'm at home, actually just grabbing some supplies. How that goes, uh, and uh, so I am. Uh, hooked up to my computer which uh, serves as my entertainment computer uh, that's hooked up to me and so I'm sitting in front of a 16 inch TV on a Barbie chair and table set <laughs> <laughs> the things we go so, through uh, yeah, so you people can have a po- uh, podcast ladies and gentlemen that's dedication right right I hope our listeners uh, can appreciate it that's <laughs> so Sean is connected via and, Skype and, and, uh, and uh, it, it, Sorry, Sean is connected via Skype, and that's why we're going to be talking over each other a little bit, and uh, uh, that also might explain any digital interruptions you hear, any dropping out. Uh, he's on a, a, a connection from home, and and this is sort of the busy part of day at school. We, we like I've said before, before we ordinarily don't like to do this during school hours, uh, but this we had to do what we could when we could, and so uh, we have uh, hundreds of students right now busily pounding our uh, internet access, and so between the two of us, it's a pretty weak connection. So we're going to be stepping all over each other, and it's not going to be uh, as high quality as it usually is. But, hey, at least we did one for you. His wife is languishing in a hospital bed as we speak, recovering from a C-section, and we're recording a podcast. Right, right. Yeah, she'd kill me if she did. <laughs> Luckily, she doesn't listen to the show, so she'll never know. All right, so we're going to skip straight to the good stuff then. Uh, we just wanted to to uh, mention where Sean is and what that's all about, and uh, and we'll just jump straight into uh, Google Apps. Uh, both Sean and I have set up uh, Google Apps domains uh, for our personal um, domains and, and here at school, and so we're just going to talk about the, uh, the initial setup and the steps that we went through uh, to make that happen, and then some of the uh, uh, enterprise integration uh, techniques that, uh, that we found that make things uh, work really well uh, here for us. So uh, my first um, point is if you when you sign up for Google Apps, uh, you want to make sure that you get the education uh, edition. You have to uh, request it and then the request is reviewed. Uh, probably a robot somewhere does that. And, and then you get uh, an answer back. Um, so it, it may take a week or two. So uh, don't get impatient and pay for the premiere edition. Uh, just wait a couple of weeks and you will get the ad edition. The ad edition is, is the premiere edition, but you don't have to pay anything for it. And uh, we, uh, Sean saw in a, a couple of discussion groups when he was doing some research on this, some teachers who uh, had issues with that, who'd set up the wrong account for their schools. 
Right. Yeah, I, I came across a couple of them where uh, they were uh, posting in the forum and you know having problems. They could only have fifty accounts, and uh, you know you can have fifty accounts under the free one. Uh, but what they were running into is they signed up for the like what Mark you and I have set up on our personal domains, and uh, uh, then they were only getting the fifty accounts. So then they were going and paying premium, and uh, before they finally were pointed in the right direction. So definitely make sure you've got the education edition. Right, and I made that same mistake. I got impatient, and I thought, well, maybe I need the premium edition, and I did, and and uh, they charged me for it. But you get like a 30-day free trial, so I was able to to get that revoked before it charged my credit card. So just be patient. Right. And um, one of the cool things that you get with the uh, uh, Ad Edition is uh, Postini uh, message services, uh, antivirus, and all that sort of stuff. There is a a Postini message archiving service that it, that costs extra, but you do get their their uh, enterprise quality uh, spam, anti spam, and any uh, virus tools built right in. So that's over and uh, above Google's already really good spam and antivirus tools. Right, it, we've we've found that stuff to be great, and uh, just haven't had any issues with it yet. I mean, what? How long have we been doing this now, Mark? About nine months. Uh, somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we uh, we get um, an email from Postini every day that lists all the spams that they blocked that didn't make it to Google, and uh, you know, I've only found a couple that were improperly classified. I think most people probably don't even get one of those because Google stops everything before it ever gets to Postini. Uh, but being the oldest account on our network and the heaviest mail user, uh, in some cases, I get probably the most spam. And so I get one of those nightly um, quarantine emails. These are the messages that have been quarantined, and then you can just ignore them and they'll be deleted, or you can uh, have them delivered to your inbox if they're incorrectly uh, uh, attributed. Yeah, I know. Uh, I haven't. I don't have near the volume that you have, but uh, the ones that have been spot on. They've been things that uh, are highly suspicious, and I don't want them even hitting my inbox. Interestingly, the the things that are most often flagged for me are mailing list um, things, where um, those tend to look pretty spammy for the most part. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> And so uh just want right. to talk a little bit about the the actual process. First you um uh create a, a if you don't know what these things are, don't worry about it. Somebody in your organization does. Uh you you change your DNS records, you create an A record uh, uh for, you know, docs.yourdomain.com or gmail.yourdomain.com and and these are all spelled out. The instructions are are very well spelled out on the Google uh apps dashboard in the help section and um uh, you just set up your your DNS that basically tells people um Searching when somebody types in, uh, you know, docs dot your domain, you you got to have a record somewhere that tells them where to go, and so you set all that up, and then pretty much Google does the rest. And and I know we're making that sound uh, overly simple, but it really is that simple. Uh, if you're a, a, a DNS person and you know what that means, uh, then you'll have no issue at all uh, setting this up. It's it's just really uh, very easy to do. And then um, once you're in there, you can uh, choose to use the mail or not to. I highly recommend Gmail. Everybody who knows anything about Gmail knows it's, it's really good. Uh, and uh, I highly recommend everybody use it, even if you plan on using Outlook or something. 
something like that to access it, just having that option is a really good option out there. Uh, but if you don't want to jump straight to that, Google lets you create uh, uh, temporary addresses. So it would be the email address at yourdomain.com dot test dash google dash a dot com. Um, and again, that's all spelled out in their documentation. But you create that special address, and any mail that's delivered to that gets delivered automatically to your um, uh, Gmail account for by uh, using that name. So you don't have to have all your people switch over and change all your mail settings. You can hand out two or three people these temporary addresses and set up like uh, filters in in your mail server or in their clients that say forward all mail to this address. And that's how we tested it. With uh, uh, started off with about three or four people and then grew and grew and grew until eventually we moved everybody over. Right, and I, I think it's important to because uh, you've referenced it a couple of times, but the Google documentation is, is just awesome. Uh, they they've really laid it all out there for you, and uh, uh, you know I, my experience was with my personal domain, but uh, it was a piece of cake. I mean, it really was, and every time I you know thought of a question, it was like Google was one step ahead of me, and it was just that very next click, and there was the answer question so uh, you, you don't feel like you're having to kind of wade through the mist and figuring out what you're doing it, it's all there all right um, <laughs> that delay is a killer <laughs> <laughs> And then once you're once you're in there and once you're all set up uh, you go to the Google Apps dashboard and there's where you can uh, create usernames, obviously, and passwords. And uh, there's a bulk upload. So if you've got some system that uh, has all your information in it and you can export that into uh, a CSV file or Excel file or, or some sort, so you can upload all those at once into uh, Google Apps um, and create your accounts that way. And that's when you can turn features on and off. The mail that we've mentioned, the chat, the Google Docs, the Google Wave, uh, which is going away at the end of the year, uh, Google Calendar, Google Sites, Google Links. So uh, I don't know if you've seen those, but uh, um, you know everybody's familiar with like Bitly and and those sort of uh, link shorteners out there. Well, you can have one right. for your own site. So we have one that's you know like our domain slash, and then you can create whatever you want. And so like if your domain is you know um, Bob School District Incorporated, uh, you can have like bsi.com <laughs> slash whatever and have your own URL shortener. And that's a really cool, neat little service. Uh, and then the contacts, which is, uh, uh, you know, a shared address book and your groups that one of the more powerful features of Google, uh, there's the groups and that gives you the ability to share documents and calendars in mass and not have to, to do everything individually. That's all handled right there in the dashboard. And it really is a pointy, clicky interface. It's very Google. Um, you know, it's it's blue text links and and short descriptions on a very uh, Spartan white background. Uh, but it's it's everything you need to do right there in one little dashboard. And you can see your stats at a glance right now. I can tell that there are currently at this very moment 287 people logged into their Google app, Google Apps accounts for our school. Um, and uh, uh, and you you see um, activity and just all these great uh, sort of uh, things right there in that uh, dashboard. And I, I wanted to mention that uh, Google has committed to bringing 
all of their other services into Google Apps by the end of the calendar year 2010. So Picasa, Blue, uh, YouTube, Blogger, uh, Google Reader, all their great uh, resources that are already out there, That but you have a Google account and you have a Google Apps account and they're kind of um, um, exclusive in one way or another. They're going to bring all that together so that you can have Google Reader in your Google Apps, which is the great tool, in my opinion, for education, for where your information comes to you. And uh, while those things aren't there yet, they will be within the next couple of months. Yeah, they. Uh, it, it's funny because it seems like uh, oh, every week or two now we're like, oh wow, there's you know this great thing they've moved into Google, into your Google Apps. So uh, it, it is happening pretty quickly, and it's it's really nice to see uh, every time they add some functionality there. Uh, it's oohs and ahs, and of course, then we get people within the district that uh, you know love seeing that as well. So uh, it kind of makes us heroes, and we really didn't have anything. <laughs> That's right; we didn't do anything. It just appeared. <laughs> um, now, there's already Google Video uh, that allows you to upload videos to share, uh, but they're adding to that YouTube as well. And I'm I'm not really sure how those two are going to coexist. Um, Google Video right now basically is just like an embed code. There's not really playlists and things like that as I understand it somebody may correct me on that uh, but then once they incorporate YouTube apparently you're going to have your own YouTube uh, channel uh, off of your domain right. I'm not really sure how that'll work but it ought to be pretty interesting uh, because I know a lot of schools uh, post things out there on YouTube because it's really one of the best ways to do it let somebody else handle the hosting and bandwidth issues and you just upload something but at the same time there's always these issues of, of privacy and who owns the data um, and so I'm hoping that YouTube within Google Apps will address both of those issues and uh, you'll have the the privacy and the editorial control um, as well as uh, YouTube's uh, uh, infrastructure behind you yeah absolutely absolutely uh, one thing uh, I thought was great and I'm kind of hoping you can go into some detail on is uh, uh, Active Directory integration right um, Active Directory is is uh, really the big dog in uh, uh, managing uh, uh, user uh, large bodies of user information. Now, there's uh, Novell uses uh, LDAP, uh, or what, what do they call that? N N I forget what they call it. Something about trees and forests or something. Um, no, I'm serious. That's that's the analog analogy they use. But it's it's uh, it's LDAP and Active Directory's LDAP. It's all this lightweight directory access protocol. LDAP. See how I just pulled that right out of the air there. Um, yeah, you're good. You know all those all those acronyms. <laughs> so they all use LDAP as the back end, um, and Google has a tool called Directory Sync um, that is. Uh, a misnomer in a way, but uh, what Directory Sync does is it looks at your Active Directory domain, uh, pulls all your users and all your groups, and shoves those all up to Google um, with everybody in the right place. So if you're one of those people who has, you know, uh, 50 different uh, organizational units where you have one for each graduating class and then one for each uh, uh, sport and then one for each uh, type of staff, uh, it'll take all that and it'll replicate that within Google. So all those groups get created and all those permission uh, settings get created but what it can't do and what is the real um, you know uh, hobbler thing the thing that takes your knees right out from under you is that it, it can't see passwords so because of the way Active Directory passwords are encrypted, um, the Google Sync tool can't see them so yes it can replicate your users but not their passwords. 
So then you still have to go in and either have separate user uh, account passwords for Google Apps or um, manually sync them in some way. Um, and, and that's it's kind of a pain and and it it makes a great tool almost entirely useless uh just because it doesn't have that feature and um I spent right, a while. But uh, you uh, you came up with a creative workaround for well, that. Well, I, right? I didn't, but I found a creative workaround. <laughs> right um, <laughs> now, I want to say there is a shim that somebody has invented. Um, that uh, I I read about it. I didn't do a whole lot of research in it, but uh, it's it's something essentially that you install on your Active Directory servers that pulls that encrypted password and puts it in a different field that the Google Sync can see. Uh, I distrust that inherently. I don't ever want to put anything on my Active Directory servers. I just think that's a, a bad idea. Uh, but there are people doing it, and it is in production. So uh, if you do a little searching, you can find that. Uh, but what I did, and thanks to uh, Rusty Miners, who was uh, here with us on our, our uh, Moodle episode way back uh, in episode two, I think it was, um, right. He showed me that uh, some hardworking people had created a uh, a integration tool that integrates Moodle with Google Apps. Now, this is cool in a number of reasons. One, we're Moodle users, and and so we want uh, we like the idea of those being in uh, uh, integrated. But Moodle speaks LDAP, so our users can log in with to our. Um, Moodle using Moodle. their yeah. Active Directory credentials. Now, let's follow me on this. If Moodle is synced with Active Directory and Google is synced with Moodle, therefore, using the old A, if A equals B and B equals C, then A <laughs> equals C, you can see that uh, now our Active Directory is synchronized with Moodle. Yeah, with Google uh, Google Apps. So you can go to your Google Apps console and log in using your Active Directory credentials. That's just cool. Uh, yeah, so. and it, it, it's just yet another reason to have a Moodle as well. And uh, gosh, even if you're really not going to use the Moodle for uh, you know classroom management, if you if you got something else, I mean, you could still put a Moodle in place, right? I mean, just just functionality, right? Right, and, and as easy as Moodle is to set up, that's that's not a bad way to do it. And the way we have it set up at our school is is Moodle is the gateway, um, and so you log in. When you click the, the Google Docs link or the Gmail link, it redirects you to our Moodle site. You log into our Moodle, which then redirects you back to Google. So, so Moodle is the gatekeeper there. And, and it uses uh, an authentication method called XAML, Z-A-X-A-M-L, that handles that. And so Google is not actually touching your Active Directory server and not really aware of your Active Directory passwords even. Uh, it's just getting the authentication token from Moodle. And so the two are still separate, but Moodle as the arbiter between the two lets you have that seamless integration. Yeah, and that that's a good word, seamless, because that's what I'll throw in is you're not seeing all that redirection. I mean, uh, you just you get your standard uh, Moodle login uh, that everybody's used to seeing, a page, you log in, and boom, you're in your in your email inbox. So it's, right. it's it is seamless. Or if you just go to the Moodle when you log in over there on the right, there's now a new set of menus that says Gmail, uh, Google Docs, uh, Google Apps. Those things are links are there, and so it's one click link. Since you're already in the Moodle, it takes you right to it. So what we like to encourage people to do is make the Moodle their home base because we want to foster the growth and adoption of Moodle anyway, and then use that to jump into your Google uh, Docs and Google Apps. But if you just want to check your mail and that's 
that's all you care about. We have a button on our homepage that says click here to check mail. You click there. It takes you to a Moodle login. You log in. Then it takes you right back to Gmail. All right. within a few seconds. Well, and uh, now I know uh, at the show notes, so maybe I'm, I'm getting out of order here, but it would be a good time to reference the uh, the desktop setup as well. Uh, actually, I want to before we do that, I want to uh, mention one other caveat. Um, okay. In order for Google, for Moodle to do its syncing with Google, the user account must exist in Moodle first. Okay. So a user yeah. who doesn't have a Moodle account has never touched the Moodle, can't click on the mail link, enter their credentials, and go straight to Gmail. That seamlessness only works once they have a Moodle account. Now, what we've told our people is simply, you know, first day of school or when a student first comes in, have them go to Moodle. They enter their first name, last name, email address, and uh, it sets up the account, and then Google syncs it. If they don't log into Google immediately and it doesn't uh, it doesn't force that, there's a, a cron job that runs every 10 minutes that updates uh, those things. Uh, so that's the way we do it here. We just tell people, well, log on to Moodle at least one time. Right, and and that's it. I mean, you almost uh, just glanced over that, but that's an amazing thing is log into the Moodle, and it will create a Google Apps account for you. Right. That, that's just awesome. Now, there's also a manual script that I'll uh, post on the show notes that will look at your Active Directory, and, and this is all already built into Moodle. It's already part of that uh, uh, Google Apps integration that I'll also link to in the show notes. Uh, but you run this script from the console of your your uh, Moodle machine, be it Windows or, or Linux, um, and it uh, goes out and sucks all your users and groups, or no, not groups, but all your users out of Active Directory, and then manually creates all those accounts. So if you do that ahead of time, then that step of you have to log into Moodle uh, doesn't exist because Moodle has created those accounts for you. So what this manual file does is it creates everything in Moodle, which that's all Moodle cares about, but Moodle then the next time it syncs, takes all those and creates the, their Google Apps accounts. So we had uh, a couple of hundred users um, who had done that already. Um, uh, I'm going to say about three or four hundred who had created their account. I ran that script, and another three hundred uh, were created. So these are people who hadn't used the Moodle yet, probably earlier age kids. And so now we have right. six hundred users that uh, you know half of those were created with the click of a button. And so now they get do get that seamless integration. And so that's a pretty cool thing there. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of legwork on this. If you're if you're picturing yourself having to go through and manually set up accounts or or whatever, it's just it's just not the case. Right. That was my nightmare when we first started talking about moving moving to Google Google Apps. I was like, oh my gosh, somebody's gonna have to set all these up. Uh, right. So it's either me, right? I have to do all this. And in Google uh, Apps in the domain, there's just uh, um, one, there's two types of users. There's admin and non-admin. So there's not a way I could say, all right, this secretary here can create accounts but not do anything else. Uh, in order to give somebody that privilege, I'd have to give them full access to the entire, uh, Google Apps domain. And, and not that I don't trust these people, but, uh, that's a responsibility they don't want. Uh, and one I don't want them to have either because that's one more person to, to go to if something messes up. Uh, so right. the ability to do this in a script, in a matter of minutes, uh, just it was the 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 deal sealer for, sealer for me. Once I found out you could do that, I was sold, uh, and and it was it was like okay, perfect. I'll do this every time. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like just today, you know, we have a temporary replacement here uh, for Sean while he's away. Um, that guy came in. Uh, I said, here's your Active Directory credentials. Uh, go log into the Moodle. He did. His account was created. Done. It's it's a wonderful yeah. thing. Yeah, and he's got yeah he's he's in the Active Directory. He's got an email account. He's got a Docs account. He's he's ready to go. Yeah. So now, Sean, I'll let you go on to the the desktop setup uh, and go from there. Well, I, I really like the desktop setup, and uh, Mark came across. I'm not quite sure where where you found it exactly, but it's in the uh, apps dashboard. It's one of the things under Advanced Tools in the Google Apps dashboard. Ah, okay, yeah, there we go. I see that. Uh, yeah, and I hadn't seen that before, but uh, it, it's great. It's just a it's just a program that you install or XE that you run on the computers, and uh, what it'll do is it's it sets that computer up with desktop shortcuts to mail, to calendar, to docs. I think that's it. Is those are the three? Uh, and calendar. Uh, did you say calendar? Yeah, 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 I got calendar. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's so, uh, uh, customized for your domain. It's not just generic. This download that you download from your uh, Google Apps dashboard is coded with your domain information. And so when they click that button, it's set up for your Google Apps for Domains account. Yeah, which for us, so long as they're not logged into another one of the Google services, uh, it, it takes them to our Moodle login. Right, and so if they click on the email link, it it takes them bring Moodle login. Uh, they log in, and then boom, they're into their inbox. Or uh, same thing for calendar, uh, or for the docs. So uh, you know, have those users out there who just need it as simple as possible, and they just need a, a an icon on their desktop that they feel that you know gives them warm fuzzy feeling, and they can click on. And there, and uh, it it just has that for you. It's there. So we and were able to. To put that in uh, into our images and just uh, uh, I can't remember put that on the image or I think it was a snap in but no it's uh, it's on the image and and it's yeah. not just it doesn't just open a web browser it opens one of those like we talked about uh, before that you could do in Chrome and then I talked about a, a tip of the week uh, earlier called Prism that lets you do it in, in Firefox um, it. It takes away all the browseriness of the browser. It takes away the the application bar and the uh, uh, the navigation links. You get it looks like a desktop app. So you have a window with your stuff in it, and so that makes it more comfortable for people who are Outlook users or Thunderbird users who are used to a desktop app. When you you click a link on your desktop, a window opens on your desktop. There's no forward back uh, buttons. There's no address bar up there. It just looks like you've opened an app. Right. No way for the absolute you know, low-end user to get lost or, you know, mess anything up in there. <laughs> Just yeah. throws them in their inbox and they can, they can you know, read email. And another fantastic feature of that is it registers Google Apps as your default mail application. And what that means is you're cruising around on the web there and you see a link on the web page that says... Uh, click here to email. All right, so anybody who's ever used a webmail system before, we used uh, Squirrel Mail previously, uh, anybody who's using anything else who, who doesn't have a desktop client, if you don't have Outlook installed or, and configured, you click on one of those links, it tries to open whatever your desktop mail client is. Uh, so w before we had this, I was constantly clicking on that, and it would try to open Outlook, which wasn't configured, and it, it'd open up this box, say, please enter your information now to set up through that, and then I'd have to cancel out of that and then copy and paste the email 
email, go to my uh, uh, composition window, uh, paste it in there, and create a new mail. Now you don't have to do that, but this uh, this little app here, uh, you click on that link, it opens a Gmail win- window, takes you to the compose box, fills in the address in the t- uh, from field, and drops you into the subject line, all with one click. Yeah, and that that is really awesome and uh you know one of those things that for a long time uh, google users had been bemoaning i guess well all uh, webmail users not just google anybody who used a webmail yeah. client yeah that's true aol anything like that and yet another reason to uh, uh maybe think about making the switch over to google because uh it, yeah it's great to just have that functionality and then one last thing i wanted to mention um just this week uh, Google introduced a new two-factor authentication option that they rolled out to Google Apps. It's a, a button you can check. Um, and so uh, for those of you who don't understand or haven't heard the concept of two-factor authentication, uh, the, the simple way to put it is it's something you have and something you know. Your password is the something you know, and the something you have is a physical something whatever. Uh, and the way this works is there's an app you can put on your phone. If you've got an iPhone or a BlackBerry or an Android phone, there's got an app with it. Or if you've got a dumb phone, um, you can set it up to send your text messages. So when you try to log in, you enter your password, Google sends you a text message and says, type in the text that we just sent you. Um, and then that's how you get into your email. And so it's it's two-factor authentication. Now, this only happens on a new computer. So you're not going to have to do that every time you log on to your desktop. But anytime you come from a new IP address or a new computer that Google's never seen before associated with your account, it forces or has the option to force that two-factor authentication. It's not a requirement, uh, but you have that option. And so um, that gives you uh, the ability now to, if you go to uh, an Internet cafe somewhere, do those still exist, Internet cafes? If you go to your Aunt <laughs> Fanny's house and you log into they're, your email. They're called uh, Starbucks. Yeah, there you go. If you go to Starbucks and borrow somebody's <laughs> computer, um, you have that two-factor authentication. Now, you may be thinking that sounds like a pain, and maybe it is, but let's think of it this way. Somebody else, somewhere else, gets your Google credentials, goes to their computer, logs in, even though they know your username and your password, they still can't get in because they don't have that app on the phone or they don't have this tech, the cell phone that they're going to send the text message to. So that is a very impressive security enhancement that it's just a checkbox that you can turn on. Right. Absolutely. And they just rolled that out this week, a really cool feature. Okay, and uh, in our abbreviated episode, we're we're gonna hurry along here. And uh, oh, I see that uh, I was gonna chastise Sean for uh, uh, not doing a tip of the week, but while I was talking about Google Desktop, he went and and found one and threw it in there. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. That's right. Yeah, I went I went ahead and went my uh, uh, into my list there and went ahead and copied and pasted that over into the show notes in my sixty inches of glory here. <laughs> so. Google Docs on a 60-inch high-def TV. How awesome is that? Yeah, it is pretty fun. All right, so go ahead and let's tell us what your tip of the week is this week. All right. Uh, the, my tip of the week, and I, I think uh, I'm pretty sure I got this off of uh, oh, classroom20.com, classroom20.com. Uh, it's become a great resource for me, but uh, it was meetmeatthecorner.org. And uh, it's just like it sounds there, meetmeatthecorner.org. And what it is, it's a site that uh, offers up uh, just a whole bunch of virtual 
field trips. Uh, so you can go in and they're visiting. You can go to, uh, oh, let's see. Uh, there's a bunch of different interesting things. There's a happy birthday Thomas Edison thing that's kind of about, uh, you know, Thomas's life. And I would say these things are probably uh, geared towards, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe uh, late uh, elementary kids to middle schoolers maybe most of it's towards it goes a little more towards the younger kids not so much for the high school kids um there's a denver zoo where they interview a animal purist uh there's a astronomy for kids at the palomar observatory uh they have fun ones like the history of pizza yeah see that so, sounds like uh, someone i'd like to do that the history of pizza sounds interesting yeah, absolutely, and you know they also have ones where uh, it's a it's a, like a walkthrough tour of the uh, New York uh, Museum of Modern Art. Uh, so just a, a whole load of videos that uh, really are wonderful education videos. I think that kids will really uh, love to see. Uh, uh, you know, at the same time they're getting, uh, you know, the curators of those museums and and uh, like the zoo one where they're getting the animal. So uh, they're getting actual authorities uh, in those areas uh, on camera and doing interviews with them as well. So uh, really neat one. Um, they've also got uh, links to some uh, fun websites on there uh, in their learning corner, uh, which really uh, those sites kind of parallel what doing and kind of fit into uh, what they're what the site is all about. Uh, they also have a big Apple book club, uh, and that have just video book reviews that kids have made so uh, you know kids can watch book reviews made by kids and they can also go in there and uh, post their own book review uh, a really neat site there's just a lot of things to do there for the kids and that's meetmeatthecorner.org sounds pretty interesting and uh, my tech yep. tip of the week, I, I think I mentioned it uh, last week. If not, I'll, I'll mention it again. I just recently got a new computer uh, because I got sort of a lemon on, on my last one that I got. And, and after uh, having uh, gone back and forth with the manufacturer for months trying to fix it, I finally just said, forget this, send me a new computer. So I've got a new computer here, and I've been <laughs> moving into it. And I'm finding all these little things, these apps that I had forgotten that, that were useful to me, um, but now I'm missing them. I, you know, a couple of weeks ago I mentioned Cat Mouse as one of those tools that you know I didn't have it, and then once I didn't have it, I was like, oh my gosh, I I need this. Um, and this one today uh, comes from uh, right. that line. It's a little applet that most of the time you don't even realize is there, but it becomes something that that can become very useful. And this one's simply called Sizer. And again, I'll put a link to it, uh, on the website, uh, on the show notes because the, the URL is, is somewhat convoluted. Um, so, uh, Sizer is a little app to, uh, uh, utility that just simply resizes windows. That's all it does. It adds a new context menu. So when you right click anywhere in a window, you get a new button that says resize slash reposition. And so it has the common, uh, screen sizes there, 1024 by 768, 800 by 600, 640 by 480, or you can create your own. Okay, so if you're a web designer and you want to see how your website looks at these different resolutions, uh, back in the day, I used to change my screen resolution to do that. All right, so I'm on a 1024 by 768, but I want to make sure somebody at 800 by 600 can see that, so I'd change the resolution of my screen. Uh, well, now with Sizer, I just right-click and uh, resize my browser to that size, 
and poof, I can see what it looks like. Uh, but also, I've got things, you know, being the anal retentive rain man that I am, I've got windows exactly where I want them, and they overlap just a little bit, and I've got a really a couple of really wide screens, so I don't need my um, browser to take up the full 24 inches of my monitor. I just want it in the middle, and I want my other things to the left and the right of it so I get the most information it wants. Um, but, for example, in Firefox, if you uh, click on something that resizes your window or if you resize it yourself for whatever reason, every window you open from then on will be that size. And Firefox remembers that, and it's trying to be nice, but I think it's annoying. Um, so now yeah. I have a I have a, a little screen size, and and for my particular setting, the way I like it, it's ten twenty four by one thousand and six, is how I like it. And so when something screws that up, I click a button, it resizes it, puts it right in the middle of my screen, and done. So it's a really simple tool, but once you install it, if you're the kind of person um, who likes Windows to be where they need to be, or if you're a web designer and needs to see how pages look at different resolutions, um, it's it'll become an indispensable app. And of course, as most things are here on our pad- podcast, that is a free app. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, or very often, like if you're uh, if you're one of us, you know, uh, well, and uh, any user really, but you know, techies very often you're accessing. Uh, you know a whole list of VMs and things like that, and uh, you know you have a specific layout that you like to have all of your windows kind of set up so that you can keep an eye on everything. Right. So uh, g- great tool for that. Now uh, I just you just said something. If you're one of us, a quick antidote. Um, our middle school principal here, who is a, a listener of the show and a good friend of mine, I was talking to him uh, one day about a, an issue he was having trouble with, and he had been talking with a tech at this other vendor, and and he was basically trying to get me to translate what he said, and and he said he didn't even realize he said it. He said, "Well, what I'll do is I'll just call back there and talk to a person." <laughs> meaning not attack, and so yeah. <laughs> we're not people. You're, you're like Sean called you one of us. You're you're a pod people. You know if you've been assimilated, uh, then then you're one of us. If not, you're a person. So absolutely. Um, all right, uh, I did want to throw one thing out there. Uh, one of our, our avid listeners uh, uh, and a guy that uh, we respect quite a bit because he's got a lot of knowledge on fog as well. Bjorn Barents. Uh, I just wanted to send a little. Sh- to him we were he also is expecting a baby and uh we both had uh c-sections scheduled on the same day uh which was next day and uh i just want to say sorry bjorn we didn't we didn't make it that far so <laughs> i hope that uh, he and his wife do well through uh through their anticipated delivery there and i just want to uh Add in there that Sean said a shout out, but because of uh, the Skype glitch, you heard the sh in the t, and it sounded like he said something <laughs> not very nice. But he said I want to send a shout out to Bjorn. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and what more positive note could I think of to end on that? You know, expletive deleted. Uh, so <laughs> I'll just say, as always, uh, find us on uh, on our website at thetightwadtech.com. Find us at uh, twitters.com slash thetightwadtech or facebook.com slash thetightwadtech. We didn't stream this one today. Uh, we said last week that we were going to do it Monday at 4 p.m. Central Time, and dang if his wife didn't have a baby uh, right around that time. So, uh, 
we we didn't have time to throw yeah. this one out and, and do a broadcast, but we will get back to our live streaming as soon as uh, uh, normalcy returns to our, our studio as much as possible. So uh, find us out there on the web. Uh, we are loving all the new uh, engagement and activity on our website. Please continue to do that. Tell your friends about it, even if they're not geeks, just to bump our numbers up, really. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, Sean, right. did you have any other parting comments, or uh, we're just going to say goodbye? No, I think that's it. Uh, uh, I just, uh, you know, look, uh, appreciate the uh, uh, just everybody, the community, and everybody else uh, in this time that you know, time of my family, and uh, look forward to hearing from y'all. And uh, as much as I can, I'll interact with you uh, just as quickly as I can. So. Uh-huh. So go hug that new baby. And for now, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off.